DiscerningHearts.com presents The Trinitarian Reality of Self-Giving Love A Discerning Hearts 9-Day Online Retreat with Monsignor John Essif and Sister Cora Maculatum Heffernan Monsignor John Essif is a priest of the Diocese of Scranton, Pennsylvania. He is a founding member of the Pope Leo XIII Institute, which specializes in the training of priests in the areas of exorcism, healing, and deliverance ministries. He also served as a retreat director and confessor to St. Teresa of Calcutta. He continues to serve as a retreat leader and spiritual director to bishops, priests, religious, seminarians, and other religious leaders around the world. In many instances, he conducts those retreats with Sister Cor Immaculatum Heffernan, who is a member of the Sister Servants of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. She holds several degrees from Marywood, Notre Dame, and Syracuse universities. She is an accomplished artist and musician, as well as a counselor and spiritual director. During the course of nine episodes, both Monsignor Esif and Sister Cor offer a sequentially guided online retreat that will break open the theme entitled, We Are Called to Live the Trinitarian Reality of Self-Giving Love. Participants are encouraged to have a Bible and journal ready for notes and reflection. They are also encouraged to take significant portions during the day or night to spend time in prayer to contemplate what they have heard and to listen to what God may desire to communicate to them during this grace-filled period of retreat. We now present Monsignor John Essif and Sister Cora Maculatum Heffernan. I would like to introduce this retreat. It's a retreat that calls us to holiness. You see, God created the world. God saved the world. And God sanctifies the world. God is the creator of the entire universe. That is, not only the earth, but when he spun out this world, he also made, we used to think <coughs> that the earth was the one that the sun rotated around us. We suddenly discovered, not too long ago in man's history, that Copernicus found out that that sun is a star. And the earth goes around the sun. That's what makes it appear as if the sun is rising and setting. But that sun is a star in millions in a Milky Way of heavenly bodies. That's what the stars are. And as we begin our retreat, I would like Sister Kaur to talk about that God who created us. That God is a three-person God. He is a God of love. When he made us, he made us in such a way that he threw us out into our being with a backspin on us. And this 
retreat can be for the seven billion people in the world, but the ones who have a kind of key to the understanding of the retreat is every Christian, not necessarily Catholic, but the one who made the world is a three-person God. And the United States bishops are going to tell us. Responding to challenge by Pope Francis in the joy of the gospel. And that challenge is a call to us to become holy, to be holy. He writes in that, let us recover and deepen our enthusiasm, that delightful and comforting joy of evangelizing, even when it is in tears that we must sow. And may the world of our time, which is searching, sometimes in anguish and with anguish, sometimes with hope, we are trying to be enabled to receive the good news and he challenges us to receive it from evangelizers who are not dejected, discouraged, or anxious, but from ministers of the gospel whose lives glow with fervor. That is us who have first received the joy of Christ. So during these days, it's really our call to holiness. And the call to holiness comes from a Trinitarian God whom we love. The U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops has written that our faith is rooted in the mystery of the Trinity. Father before was talking about the Creator, the Redeemer, the Sanctifier. Rooted in the mystery of Trinity is the divine relationship between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God's own essence is a communion of persons. We're created in God's image. We are social creatures who are also to live in communion. We're called to live this Trinitarian reality of self-giving love. In the community, we are shaped and formed. Through the community, we recognize and realize the dignity of every human individual in the entire world. And it's out of the community that we are sent to love and serve the world. That is such a beautiful writing from the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. Thank you so much. What I, what I would like to just emphasize here is that we are God's children. The relationship of everyone on this planet is a relationship of God, who is our creator, with the universe who made, we are made by him. The relationship is that not, it's a father relationship as our creator. When, when we read in Psalm 139 that 
I am the one who made you in your mother's womb. So when that particular seed was deposited in your mother, I am the one who blew the soul into you. I'm the one who made you. God is the God of relationship. I made you. You are mine. And so when I create you, every single thing in the universe was created for you. Every single thing that I made, the rocks, the trees, the whole universe is for you, for mankind. Sister is going to read that the zenith of my creation was mankind. And so everything that is in the universe, it's in Psalm 8. And she's going to read this to you now. Oh, Lord, our God, how awesome is your name through all the earth. I will sing of your majesty above the heavens with the mouths of babes and infants. You have established a bulwark against your foes to silence enemy and avenger. When I see your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and stars that you set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and a son of man that you care for him? You, yet you have made him little less than a god, crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him rule over the works of your hands, put all things at his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatever swims the paths of the seas. O Lord our God, how awesome is your name through all the earth. Beloved brothers and sisters, can you see how much love God has for mankind? It isn't just this one little speck that he created in this vast universe. You know, they say, but with, with regard to the Milky Way, I think the, the, when they look in through telescopes now into the heavens, there are like almost 900 of those same beings and, and creations, and it's all material. But in man, God put a spirit. He blew into us a soul. He took this animal and into it, not only it's a material, but we are spirit. And God, who loved this creation so magnificently, and created us to be in this world that he created. And that he placed us at the zenith of that creation. And man and mankind and woman were created by God. And Kor is going to read to you now, and just if we would just listen. Here is Moses out in the desert, and he's got this vast community in front of him. You know, I wonder if he was capable of, of dis disseminating his, his, his message. But there he was, and somehow or other, he communicated to them. And they came up to him, and if you can see God as in, in his story of creation, 
in, in the first book of Genesis. God is the one who made us. Did he make us with the Big Bang? Did God make us with seven days, six days, in which he rested? I think the, the story is so beautiful. But what is the, what is the, what happened here? They, they were asking Moses, where did we come from as a people? We are this family. And how did we come to be? And Moses is telling them about God. He can almost see him with his apron on. And he's, he's a worker. And now he's going to set about the work of making the universe. And all mankind, as, as they, as these people are sitting there, but all of us, because God has come, and through Moses, he's going to speak to us. And this is the revelation he gave us about creation. Let's listen to this account, because it's a magnificent awareness that we came from a loving God who made us. This is a story of creation from the uh, Old Testament. This is Genesis 1. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form or shape, and darkness over the abyss, and a mighty wind sweeping over the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good. God then separated the light from the darkness and called the light day and the darkness night. Evening came and morning followed, the first day. Then God said, let there be a dome on the middle of the waters to separate one body of water from the other. God made the dome and it separated the water below the dome from the water above the dome. And so it happened. God called the dome sky. Evening came and morning followed the second day. Then God said, let the water under the sky be gathered into a single basin so that the dry land may appear. And so it happened. The water under the sky was gathered into its basin and the dry land appeared. God called the dry land earth. And the basin of water he called sea. God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth bring forth vegetation, every kind of plant that bears seed, and every kind of fruit trees on earth that bears fruit with its seed in it. And so it happened. The earth brought forth vegetation, every kind of plant that bears seed, and every kind of fruit tree that bears fruit with its seed in it. God saw that it was good. Evening came and morning followed the third day. Then God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate day from night. Let them mark the seasons, the days and the years and serve as lights in the dome of the sky to illuminate the earth. And so it happened. God made the two great lights, the greater one to govern the day and the lesser one to govern the night and the stars. God set them in the dome of the sky to illuminate the earth, to govern the day and the night, 
and to separate the light from the darkness. God saw that it was good. Evening came and morning followed, the fourth day. Then God said, let the water teem with an abundance of living creatures, and on the earth let the birds fly beneath the dome of the sky. God created the great sea monsters and all kinds of crawling creatures with which the water teems, and all kinds of winged birds. God saw that it was good, and God blessed them, saying, Be fertile, multiply, and fill the water of the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. Evening came, and morning followed, the fifth day. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth every kind of living creature, tame animals, crawling things, and every kind of wild animal. And so it happened. God made every kind of wild animal, every kind of tame animal, and every kind of thing that crawls on the ground. God saw that it was good. And then God said, let us make human beings in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, the tame animals, all the wild animals, and all the creatures that crawl on the earth. God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, be fertile and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and all the living things that crawl on the earth. God also said, See, I give you every seed-bearing plant on all the earth and every tree that has seed-bearing fruit on it to be your food. And to all the wild animals, all the birds of the air, and all the living creatures that crawl on the earth, I give all the green plants for food. And so it happened. God looked at everything he had made and found it very good. Evening came and morning followed, the sixth day. The he thus the heavens and the earth and all their array were completed. On the seventh day, God completed the work he had been doing and he rested on the seventh day from all the work he had undertaken. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work he had done in creation. There you have the splendor of creation. God made the entire universe and God spun it out and listened to those words that he had made it mankind to his own image and likeness. We are like God by our very creation. But what God was doing is so magnificent. And then of all this orchestration, with all this magnificence that God had put before all mankind, every single thing in the world was made for him except this one, and he put him to the test, and he was going to put him on trial, and God said, 
to mankind, I am going to test you. I am going to put this in front of you as a test. You are not to eat of this fruit, of this tree. And man failed in that test. And so sister is going to read to you that this act of disobedience brought sin into the world, brought Satan under whose power we came, and brought death. And so all mankind who had been created to the very image and likeness of God is going to go through a tremendous tragedy. And the tragedy has been first that he sinned, that he disobeyed. Secondly, that all of his progeny, every human being that I am talking to on the face of the earth has come under the power of sin and Satan and death. The history of mankind is, is told in like the fourth chapter of, of Genesis. Uh, I'm going to have Sister read to you the third chapter, but immediately what, what happens was the dissolution of mankind. Cain kills his brother. Murder enters into the world. And sin enters into the world. And the beginning of the violence has come into our world. Where did it come from? It came first from sin. And then the power of Satan, who his name is demonic, means to divide. And he separates and he divided first mankind from God. But God never gave up. And that's going to be the story of this retreat. But let's listen to mankind's sin as told to us by Moses in the scriptures. It's the third chapter of Genesis. Now the snake was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He asked the woman, Did God really say you shall not eat from any of the trees in the garden? The woman answered the snake, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. It's only about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden that God said, You shall not eat it, or even touch it, or you shall die. But the snake said to the woman, You certainly will not die. God knows well that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like gods who know good and evil. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eyes, and the tree was desirable for gaining wisdom. So she took some of the fruit and ate it, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. So they sewed fig trees leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. When they heard the sound of the Lord God walking about in the garden at the breezy time of day, the man and his wife hid themselves from the Lord among the trees of the garden. The Lord God then called to the man and asked him, Where are you? He answered, 
I heard you in the garden, but I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Then God asked, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the true of which I had forbidden you to eat? The man replied, the woman whom you put here with me, she gave me the fruit from the tree, so I ate it. The Lord God then asked the woman, what is this you have done? The woman answered, the snake tricked me, so I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the snake, because you have done this, cursed are you among all the animals, tame or wild. On your belly you shall crawl, and the dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. They will strike at your head while you strike at their heel. Mankind and God have become alienated and broken and separated from each other. And God came strolling through the garden and then mankind hid himself from God. And God immediately knew that mankind had, because this couple are the parents of us all. Every single human being in this world has inherited the sin of Adam and Eve. The power under which we have fallen was Satan, and death was the result. We, we never were supposed to have died, but God, because of his love, because the very nature for which he created us, out of which the Trinity loved us. You see, the Father, in total love, loved the Son. And the Son, in tremendous love, loved the Father and wanted to return that love to him. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, the love of the Son returning to the Father in that divine procession of love, pouring out love on the Son, the Son returning that divine love. God, his very essence is love. And he created in this magnificent, and he did it with a word. So is it a big bang? Or is it this seven-day creation that Jesus tells us, or the Father tells us about and, and, and reveals to us through Moses. But the story is this. I made you. I am love itself. And I had created you for myself. Archbishop Sheen takes this as the beginning of a new symphony that mankind he calls, oh, happy fault, which we use in the Easter liturgy. Oh, happy fault of man. That sour note that Adam played in, 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 in here in the garden, God has taken that note of sin and death and Satan, and he's going to build an entirely new symphony on that. And what is that? That's what we hope 
to unfold and unravel during this retreat. You see, when mankind fell under the power of sin, under the power of Satan, and mankind was going to be in death, God, in his infinite love, had another plan. He shows us all through the 45 books of the Old Testament that there is no one during that whole time, not the patriarchs, not Abraham, not Isaac, not Jacob, not the prophets, no one could save us. We were all looking for from this family. He's going to take this family out of Egypt and he's going to hammer them into a unity and a community because he himself is community. I want you to love one another. This is my whole plan. Love me and worship me and love one another as I have loved you. That's really his plan. And how does he work it out? What's the symphony that he's going to build? And during this retreat, we hope to tell you that because tomorrow's talk is going to be on baptism, what he did. And the beginning of it is this. This is how it's going to happen. That God, in his great love, is going to come down 2,000, 20 years ago to a woman. And her name was Mary. Today is the feast of the, the it is, today is the feast of Our Lady who came to visit us several times. She, she, she is known as Our Lady of Fatima, but she has a relationship with us. And it's a magnificent love that God has for us. And he had for this one person, the only one in all his creation and on the entire face of the earth, the only one that was going to, out of this family, be holy and not be with, with sin or was going to die was this woman. He had a plan for us. And the plan was in Genesis, rather in St. Luke's Gospel. If Sister could really look that up now, I think it's important for tomorrow's talk on baptism. Because the one person that he was going to send into the world you see, we are a trinity God, and I have a son. And no one knew that during the whole revelation. I am the Lord your God. You shall not have gods before me. I am the one God in the midst of mankind who had fallen into idol worship and the worship of many gods. This one little family preserved the monotheism. They taught and they believed in one God. 
and there is only one God, and he is the creator of the total universe. I made all mankind, but he is now going to save the universe because he has a son, and he reveals that son to Mary. I have a son, he said to Mary. You do? Can you imagine the consternation that the greeting, I have a son, and I want my son to be your son. I want you to be his mother. And the response of Mary is, no human being was ever born without intercourse between man and woman, and I'm a virgin. No, Mary, this child of mine will be my child. You will have the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit. I am a three-person God. This retreat, beloved brothers and sisters, is going to lead up to the Pentecost. Pentecost Sunday is when the Holy Spirit came upon the church. Pentecost is coming and going to happen in our little retreat right at the beginning because we have now Mary who is going to be hovered over by the Holy Spirit and of her will be born Jesus, the Son of God. I really believe that maybe this evening in hours of prayer and reflection that our listeners can read the announcement of the birth of Jesus. Uh, that is such a very, very beautiful passage. But I want to go to uh, the Ephesians chapter 1 because Father was, ta was talking about the Father's plan of salvation. He had such love for humankind that he planned uh, to send his son. And Ephesians tells us, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavens, as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, to be holy and without blemish before him. In love he destined us for adoption to himself through Jesus Christ, in accord with the favor of his will, for the praise of the glory of his grace that he granted us in his beloved. And this next sentence I think is so important. In him we have redemption by Christ's blood, the forgiveness of transgressions in accord with the riches of his grace that he lavished upon us. In all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will and the favor he set forth for us. And so that plan he put in place and after centuries revealed it uh, to Mary 
and revealed to her that uh, God himself was Trinity. He was Father, he was Son, and he was Spirit. He was going to, he asked Mary, would she consent to being the mother of his son? And when she said, how can this be? He said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you shall conceive and bear a child and you will call him, he will be Emmanuel. And so uh, that whole plan, it was so seamless, even though it seemed to take thousands of years, it was a very seamless plan uh, that he would, he uh, announced it from generation to generation, there was going to be a savior. And this is the way he was going to accomplish it. And so I think knowing that that plan was seamless uh, and takes us to Mary, it's so beautiful to, re beautiful to realize the place that she plays within our salvation history. It's very beautiful. She's and the first one to know that God is a trinity. God is her father. Jesus is her son. And the Holy Spirit is her spouse. Mary's relationship with the Trinity is a magnificent sign to us of our relationship with him. And now the plan is about to be introduced through this incarnation that takes place. God is the creator of the entire universe. And now God, after the fall of mankind, is going to save us. And that's called salvation. Mankind needs a savior, someone to redeem us from sin, from Satan, and from death. Jesus is the only one sent by God into the world. There is no other savior except one. In the year 33 of our era, Jesus was born into this world and died on the cross to save us from our sin. Through his death and resurrection, the only one who is the Savior, the sanctification that's about to take place can only take place if he goes back to heaven, where he then ascends and today begins this retreat. He goes back to the place where he came from. He was the second person of the Trinity who became incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became our savior through his suffering and death and resurrection on the cross. There is no other savior. The sanctification that is going to take place happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this retreat is for us to have such a love for God who created us. And if we can just see now, the same God who saved us, and it's the same God 
who is sanctifying us. And Pentecost, when he came upon the apostles, that's the feast we're going to celebrate on Pentecost. And from now until we have Pentecost Sunday, we're going to celebrate these nine days leading up to Pentecost. And we want to begin today with this magnificent creation, which is the universe. God is the creator of all of the world. And I'd like, sister, now to read to you the magnificent poem that shows the splendor of the creation that God made. You know, here in the midst of the coronavirus that is bringing us together for this, and hopefully that's why I began this, re this retreat with you, that here we are at home, huddled around, afraid, as, as no, we are coming to this retreat and with good news. This is magnificent news. Not only do we overcome, or we are going to overcome the, the coronavirus, we're going to overcome sin. We're going to overcome Satan. And we're going to overcome death itself through, with, and in Jesus by the power of the Spirit. Sister, tell us about that God sending the Spirit upon the earth as you read for us about creation. Gerard Manley Hopkins, that wonderful poet, has written a poem called God's Grandeur. And so as you look and you think of the way uh, Monsignor explained to you the, uh, the way God created all of the entire universe, Gerard Manley Hopkins has picked it up so beautifully. And he says, the world is charged with the grandeur of God. It will flame out like shining from shook foil. It will gather to a greatness like the ooze of oil crushed. Why do men then now not wreak his rod? Generations have trod, have trod, have trod, and all is seared with trade, bleared, smeared with toil, and wears man's smudge, and shares man's smell. The soil is bare now, nor can foot feel being shod. And for all this, nature is never spent. There lives the dearest freshness deep down things. And though the last lights off the black west went, oh, morning, and the brown brink eastward springs. Because the Holy Ghost over the bent world broods with warm breast and with ah bright wings didn't you make a sculpture of that one sister gore yes yeah. I, did. I remember seeing it it was like a huge dove coming and wrapping its wings around the earth yes it's it's just a, 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 a it was one of the most beautiful reflections of the divine love that I've ever seen. 
and uh, I, I think maybe sometime during this retreat, we might want to get a picture of it to show it on on a little retreat. That would be beautiful. Could you conclude maybe our talk today with uh, yes. that final quotation? Yes, I will. Uh, I think today has been such a beautiful beginning. And I, I hope that each day when we awaken, that we will awaken with hearts of gratitude to God for all that he has done. John O'Donohue, that wonderful Irish poet and uh, really mystic, writes his gratitude this way. And perhaps we can take it as a prayer of gratitude ourselves. I arise today blessed by all things, wings of breath, Delight of eyes, wonder of whisper, intimacy of touch, eternity of soul, urgency of thought, miracle of health, embrace of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You've been participating in The Trinitarian Reality of Self-Giving Love, a Discerning Hearts nine-day online retreat with Monsignor John Essif and Sister Cora Maculatum Heffernan. To hear and or to download an audio presentation of this retreat, visit discerninghearts.com or you can hear it on the various Discerning Hearts streaming platforms. To view other sessions in this particular retreat, visit the Discerning Hearts YouTube channel or you can find it on discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission and if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation which is fully tax-deductible to help support our mission and to be able to continue to offer specialty programs such as the program you just experienced. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us again. God bless.